there's a lot of that kind of anxiety. And so, you know, so much of the show, I think, is exploring not just guilt, but shame. And I think that guilt can be healthy and shame is really destructive and, and it kind of pushes you away. Hey everyone, welcome to episode eight of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman. And I'm Mason. And we created this podcast to have conversations about mental health. We talk about some pretty serious topics on the show. We are by no means professionals and are not giving advice. If you or someone you know needs help, please visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcasts. Today, we welcome actor, writer, and comedian Rami onto the show to hear more about his life, career, and mental health journey. Honestly, probably one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. It was so sick to have Rami on and have such an amazing conversation. Really loved how he opened up about his experiences with mental health, being in therapy for the last 10 years, his relationship with Faith, and about the future of the show. We really, really appreciated his openness, as Mason said, and, and really hearing about his life, where he's been, and where he hopes to go was an amazing experience for us. I think you guys are really going to love this one. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism. Please enjoy the show with Rami. Today, we're joined by our friend Rami. Rami, how do you introduce yourself now that we're getting back into the world these days when you meet someone new? Um, you know, I think I, um, I mean, in terms of just like meeting people, um, it's, it's kind of a, a fun loaded question of just, you know, how's it been, you know, has it been like, cause it's like, like we kind of have a shared it in, in this way. And, sure. and I feel like that's really gotten people, people going and, um, yeah, introductions are really interesting because it's like there's always that thing of it doesn't really matter what someone does, you know, it's like where are they at or kind of what conversation can you have. So how's it been has been fun and and, and what's on your mind has been kind of fun too, uh, without being, you know, too set up y. But that that's been that's been cool to just kind of talk with people and then and then for myself, you know, uh yeah, it's been it's been nice just kind of yeah, getting to have open conversations. People feel like a lot more, there's this really funny thing about being a comedian where you'll meet, you know, you're, you're in this bubble of people who write and do comedy and stuff. And so everyone's ready to kind of get fucked up and intimate, like really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you hang out with people who aren't comedians and they're kind of like, whoa, like, you know, why are we going there? But now everyone is way more primed to go there because of, you know, the, the last, year and a half so that's that's actually been really cool yeah it's crazy i feel like the last year everyone's apart but like going through the same thing so it's like a very human experience of everyone wanting to be like oh like i'm way more open now which which is amazing uh well we're super excited to have you on the show we're big fans uh i'll let mason get started with our journal prompt and we'll get into it yeah for sure speaking of that it though like on the introductions it's crazy because i feel like everyone had such a different like the range of people that i've spoken to like some people had the best years of their lives for better or for worse like we're, we're absolutely thriving and then other people like it was terrible and they and they couldn't stand like just that range of, of what we all went through i think is like super super interesting but we like to start off every episode with a prompt from our mad happy journal uh so i'll answer it then i'll kick it to you rami and then payment will answer it we like to do these kind of just to take the temperature of the room and, and kind of get us all on the same wavelength uh, today's prompt is, what is one personal thing I'm actively working on? For me, I think a, a big focus of mine this year has been letting go. I think as a, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, our brand has grown a lot. And in that, 
we hire amazing people and we build out this amazing team and, and really try and build this company. And with that comes a lot of trust and a lot of delegation and a lot of letting go. And, and it's been interesting as we come up to our five year anniversary next year of like, I feel like I'm doing more and less at the same time, which is like an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so letting go has been a big focus for me that I'm working on. How do you, how do you do that? Like how, especially when you obviously had to be super hands-on in order to grow it to where it's at, like what, what's that letting go process? Yeah. I mean, the first word that comes to mind is just trust, right? Like we're, we're hiring amazing people who are super talented and who are good at what they do. I need to be able to trust them. Even if I might do something differently or if I might go down a different path, I, I still need to have that trust in them that that can lead us to somewhere successful as well. And then I think it's just like checking my ego at the door. Like the, like this shit isn't about me, dude. It's like what we're trying to build and the mission that we're trying to spread is so much bigger than me or payment or any of our other partners. And like the more that I can remind myself and make myself just feel like that small ant who like isn't important, the more that I can just like trust other people and like let's just build this thing and, and make people feel better about themselves. Facts, yeah. That's great. Rami? That's awesome. I, you know, I think I've been, um, it's funny because like the first thing that came to mind is uh, balance and, and, and really kind of trying to like focus on, yeah, how to, how to um, be focused and be kind of like where I'm at. It's like the balance leads to presence, you know, because cause it's, it's really hard to kind of have all the things you're worried about or all of your obligations floating around at the same time. And so it's, it's really um, been a year of, and, and really most actively kind of trying to figure out, yeah, like how do I, how do I find balance in, in, in being present, you know, and, and in really kind of being, being in the moment that I'm in. And, and, and so that's been, that's been something. And then, and also just kind of being able to have, even more upfront conversations. I think, I think like I'm, I, I'm able to have like honest conversations with people who I am very close to. Um, and sometimes it's like, I want to say something to someone and I feel like, Oh, well, we're not close enough for me to say that. But like, I think like stepping into those kinds of conversations more has been, has been really good too. And again, that's part of what, what's been exciting about kind of the time we're in. Like, I feel like everyone kind of wants to have those conversations. So, so the, those have been, you know, yeah, really kind of important for me. For sure. I think it's funny because I always answer this question last and I, and I feel like, again, like letting go and balance were really my top two. Um, but, but I think but I think that's the funny part. Like it's like our experiences are very similar, even though they're very different. Um, I think for me, it's like not sacrificing on some of like my personal health type stuff, whether it's like my mental health or physical health, just because of you know, this whole thing of like more work, more work. And like you could always like find more things to be doing. And I think what I've learned and I've it's still a learning process is like it does start with myself and trying to make sure that like I feel good by doing those things for myself and ultimately hopefully that'll make me you know a better leader better in my role all of that so that's definitely something very actively working on right now um so so yeah you can go first next time okay yeah I know I need I need to go first um <laughs> but but Rami getting into it we read that your dad was the manager of, of the plaza hotel uh we, we just thought that was a super interesting fact and also just wondering like for you what did you think of that like growing up because like you know we see the plaza as like obviously this like super fancy like rich hotel this like fake world almost like what yeah. experience did you have with it growing up if any yeah it's really um you know my dad is is really great with all different types of people. And I think that was something that was really apparent. You know, there were times where I would go and, and 
you know, watch him work there and we'd feel super out of our element, you know, because like, we're not rich, you know, like my dad was an immigrant and he worked his way up from being a busboy to being one of three managers at, at the time that he was there. And, 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 and that was like, obviously, you know, huge, but the types of people who are there and the types of people who are kind of like rolling through, that's like nothing comparatively, you know what I mean? And so it was always this really kind of wild experience of like, yeah, being somewhere that's maybe not your environment, but still kind of figuring out how to be yourself and how to communicate and how to kind of move through it. And so when I see this now, I don't think I saw it at the time, but I think I saw the ways that my dad was able to have bits of himself, but I also saw the ways that he was like able to make people feel good. And that was something that like, that's top like hotel, you know, HR kind of things. Like, it's just like, okay, yeah, like hospitality, like we're going to make people feel good. And I realized that that was like a priority for me whenever I was working with people, whenever I was doing things is like, oh, I want the person I'm with to feel good and I want to feel good. And like, and, and I feel like we can kind of create from that place. And so that's always like something that, that has stuck with me from, from seeing him do that and seeing him kind of like roll around in those circles, you know? Do you feel like maybe subconsciously that might've had an impact on you going down this comedy and like entertainer path? Cause when you're saying making people feel good, like you're totally doing that now too. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's definitely something that feels tied. And, and I do think, you know, there's this like the position that he was in, you know, he's dealing with so many different types of people, right? Like coming into a hotel like that. And so you kind of, you know, learn how to speak different people's languages. And I do think that that's essentially what writing is. You know, that's essentially what kind of stand-up is too. It's yeah. like, you know, your audience and then you figure out, okay, like how do I want to communicate what I want to communicate to them? And so I feel like on a level, that's something that I really saw my dad do. My grandfather was also, interestingly enough, he was, um, the way that my mom's family came to America, came to New York, was he was an interpreter for the United Nations. And he translated Arabic, English, and French you know, for these really huge kind of global meetings <laughs> at the United Nations. And, and, and that's another thing that I just kind of started putting together, even only just over the last year where I'm like, whoa, you know, my dad had this people kind of job. And then my grandfather was literally an interpreter. Like, you know, everything was about words and specificity of words and how to communicate that. And I kind of grew up going and spending a lot of time at his house. And it's like, you're surrounded by dictionaries of all different languages you know and um the the way that they moved and, and spoke about those things is definitely super subconsciously you know uh present it's wild to think about well kids are like so fucking smart right they're so perceptive they're picking up on things that they don't even realize that they're picking up on like i've i've done some work like looking back at at my family and previous generations and stuff and like one of my grandfathers who i never met because he passed away but like was a therapist, right? So his life was all about mental health. And then even my dad growing up was in a creative industry, like in advertisement. And then I kind of fused as like a merger of the two, like kind of working in fashion mm. and, and design and a, a creative lane, but also solely about mental health. One of the guys I had never even met. And I, but I do feel like that kind of is just instilled in like the energy of, of my family or just kind of the upbringing of what's around us that ultimately kind of has an impact on who we are. So cool. Sure. It's yeah. cool. Um, I want to stay on childhood for a little bit. Um, one of the moments of the show that really resonated with me a lot was the 9-11 episode for multiple reasons that we can get into, obviously. But 
I want to know how much of that experience was real for you that you were just like playing out for us exactly how it happened. And then what kind of effect did that have on your mental health at the time? Cause you're only what, like nine, 10 years old or something. Yeah, I was 10. Um, and I think that, you know, that was totally ripped from my conscious subconscious, you know, yeah. in the sense that it was, it, these were the dreams I was having. I was having these dreams that, you know, Osama bin Laden would come to my house because I was the Muslim kid in town, Yeah, you know, and we were so close to New York. My father was, was like working, you know, between Newark and the city at the time, didn't know where he was. So many friends who, you know, so, so it was very real for us. It was like, we were, we were there and there was this real kind of palpable fear in the air. And then I think I internalized that as just fear of my own self. And that was kind of what I was really interested in exploring with that episode is the ways that that especially when you don't have a ton of people who look like you or speak your language around you and so the only thing you're seeing is your family and then what's in the news it, it becomes yeah it, it, you start to internalize something else and i can imagine that that happens for a lot of communities you know i can imagine that that can happen for many various black communities in this country and, and on, on even wider scales but that was something that uh definitely was playing on me and then i, I don't think I, I really understood what it was doing to me for many years but but that you know we shot some stuff in that episode that i saw like i felt you know whether it be in a dream or like actually happened in real life i'm curious how how it connected with you because that's always really interesting for me when you know because when people who obviously aren't my culture who aren't Arab, who aren't Muslim, watch the show and feel like a deep connection to it. That always makes me really excited. I'm curious kind of like what was there for you. The like the scenes and the conversations that stick with me the most are you with your group of kind of white friends after and them like not really knowing how to treat you or like calling you a terrorist and then like hearing you kind of go through your own process of like are they right like am i like am i related to osama bin laden like kind of going through all these things and it was like that kind of self-doubt and confusion and like paranoia that i was personally able to relate to like experiences of like having hard times with friends or like going through something at home and then just like feeling like the group doesn't understand me or just like feeling misunderstood and things like that but that's where i was like wow like this is this is some really powerful stuff. And for him to really put this in, you could tell obviously that it felt so real. It's like, wow, this is really vulnerable. And this is like really cool. Yeah. That's, that's really cool that you saw that. Yeah. Cause that, that's especially at that age, you're, you're more prone to believe something coming from the outside than, than what's yeah, like happening inside. Yeah. Like you just want to like impress your friends and, and, and tell them that like you're jerking off already, like when you're not, or like just kind of seem like you fit in and like, are a part of it. Like the last thing that you want to be is on the outside of that circle. So you'll do whatever it takes to like stay inside. Yeah. And, and I think, for, I think for me, like I almost felt like lucky in a way, like, so I moved to the U S when I was six from Italy, but my parents are from Iran. So I'm Persian. And, wow. and so this happened 2001, right? So I was, I was seven and I remember it happening, but like very thankfully, like none of those like same feelings because like I was too young, right? Like they're like the, the kids, like that's not what they were talking about. I think also being away from it in LA definitely helped, but, but it did make me think back to like when I did move here and when I only spoke like Farsi and Italian and like feeling like I didn't fit in and like, you know, it, it was like this whole, like it kind of brought me back. And, um, I don't, I don't think back to that time as much, but it definitely like 
when you when I do go back there, I'm like, wow, like that had a huge impact on me still like to this day. Um, so I, I think still don't it, even know. Yeah. Like, and, and I yeah, And I still don't even know, like some of the reasons I do things now are because of like, you know, that sort of chip on my shoulder that grew from like being like this, like new kid that didn't speak English. So I think it was like both like grateful that like I didn't have the exact experience, but also like, wow, like I did kind of have a similar experience. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, Persian Italian is an amazing combination. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're not yeah. Italian, yeah. but I mean, to have those, those those languages and that experience is like, you also would totally pass for an Italian in New Jersey, yeah. like without a doubt, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. easy. Exactly. Like yeah. you look, yeah, you it's look like, like the dudes my, I grew my, up with yeah. easy. It's like yeah, my yeah, skin, yeah, no all problem. That. Um, and, and I guess, I guess like for you, like was, would you say that was like your first, looking back at it, like your first mental health experience? Or was it like a little bit later that something, you know, something more specific happened that now you look back and you're like, oh, that's the first time I like knew what mental health was or like knew that I was like struggling with something? You know, I don't know that I understood that principle for a really long time because I kind of just thought everything was how life was. But what I also really was aware of was the fact that my life that my parents had set up for me was by all accounts, just so much more than they had had for themselves. Like they, they, my parents are very selfless in this way that I could only hope to be, you know, for my family. I'm like, I almost don't know that I could be. I'm like, like, I'm like a fucking like egotistical, like creative person who's like, you know, <laughs> out, like, like my parents like lived for us, you know, they really, wanted to have a family like that was their goal and they wanted to have a family that lived a fuller a fuller life you know in 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 as many ways as they could than than what they had had and to just you know to just kind of push it forward in a way i think that really influenced kind of where they were going so i i was only sitting anytime i felt negative feelings i always kind of just drew back to the positivity of that reality mm. where i was like no i can't feel that stuff because this is what's happening you know and i think that that's something that's really common for a lot of immigrant kids. And, um, yeah. I think it was probably like, I would say not until college that I really started to understand that there were a lot of things that, that I had experienced that I just kind of like put in that bucket of, you don't have to feel bad about this because it's like, your life is fine. And then, and then I started to kind of open that up and realize that I was, you know, burying, uh, a lot of really real feelings. And also, you know, what I said about my parents could also be true and my feelings and the fact that I was, you know, struggling with, you know, we had definitely a deep economic anxiety. We definitely had, you know, and this is all before, you know, anything, uh, political, you know, there were just things that happened in a family that were very real, but, but I don't think I really saw any of that, um, until I got to college. It's super interesting for me too, because like, I think being an immigrant growing up, it's like, obviously like you're trying to fit in as a kid. Um, and I think I got lucky. I came here when I was six, right? Like any later. And I, like, I would probably have an accent and not that that's bad, but like you're, you know, you stand out even more in, in, in that case. And I think I got lucky there. And then, yeah, didn't really think about, like, I thought the same thing, right? Like, I'm so lucky that like my parents, when they're like 40, moved to, to a new country. When I think like now, like, I couldn't move to a new country where I didn't speak the language and I'm like 27. Right. And I'm like, that's crazy. Right. And so I think like definitely like always felt that gratitude, especially like 
you know, seventh grade and on. And then, yeah, like mental health was just not something I thought about, even though like now when I look back, I'm like, there's hundreds of things that like, oh, like that's, that's anxiety or like that's this or that's that, um, that we didn't think about. And it's just, it, it is just like really, really weird because like, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's, well, it's funny for me because I have the exact opposite experience of you guys where I, the first time I went to therapy, I was seven years old. So like, no. So like, I'm I'm so grateful for that, obviously, because it taught me so much. But also now it's like put me in a place of like, I'm so in my head. Like I'm so checking in with myself. I'm so over analyzing and psychoanalyzing every single thing that like sometimes I almost regret it and like wish I kind of had a more, I guess, pure upbringing where I wasn't so conscious of those things at such a young age because it's really put me like in this world where I do kind of feel like it's like my blessing and my curse at times. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, what put you in therapy at seven? Yeah, you got to tell them. Um, so I have kind of like a blended family situation. Basically, my, uh, okay, the guy who I call my dad is technically my stepdad. My, uh, my biological father left me and my mom before I was even one years old. So my mom got remarried to this guy who's my dad. He's raised me since I was two years old or whatever. We, he had two kids from a previous marriage and we lived in Michigan and then me, my mom and my dad moved to Los Angeles and he still had his two kids living in Michigan with his ex-wife. In 2001, when I was seven, his ex-wife passed away from brain cancer and his two kids came and moved from Michigan to LA to live with us. Simultaneously, my mom and my dad had two kids of their own. So I kind of went from like one only child to three oldest child to five middle child. So that was a lot, obviously. And and I don't remember a ton, but like my mom has told me stories, obviously, of like, you know, as a child, it's hard to really understand death. So I'm like, mom, like, does this mean that you're going to die? Kind of like, what's going on? I mean, Whoa, I love, yeah, 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 like I loved my siblings. I was like so excited to be with them and grow this family. But I was just kind of expressing some stuff. And she was like, I think that that we should have you talk to someone. So from then on, I've, wow. I've, I've been in the seat, my man. That's why also like Michigan to LA is you might as well have been coming from Italy. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that is, that is, they, 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 for them to have siblings who, who are coming from there and like, wow, that's wild. Yeah. But it's funny. Like my, uh, my older sister, she was in seventh grade at the time, right? It's so like Michigan to LA. Like, it's almost like you're an immigrant and like <laughs> pulling up saying. to a new it's, school. It's yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Seventh grade. That's wild. Yeah, it's tough. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a different life. But on that note, obviously, part of the reason why we were so excited to talk to you is like our show is all about mental health, right? A big part of what we do at Mad Happy is like kind of promote mental health awareness just by creating conversation, right? We're not therapists. We're not experts at all. But just to hear from different people and their experiences, one of the reasons why I gravitated to the show so much is because I do feel like it's all about mental health, honestly. Like I, I know that's not kind of the first thing that you would pick up, but that was my takeaway, just seeing what everyone's going through or lack lack thereof mental health for some people i should say was that a conscious decision that you made or was it like i just want to tell people stories and obviously at the nature of people is mental health or, or did it just kind of happen what was the process like that's so cool that you picked up on that i mean i i think that that was definitely on my mind i remember really even from the pilot envisioning you know i want a show where the family dinner scenes are awkwardly quiet and people aren't saying the rush of things that are going on inside. 
And then I want to like go and, and see these characters and realize, wow, they're really living these really full lives, but they don't know how to join them. And they don't know how to like bring everything literally to the table. And so that's been, you know, something at the crux of how we talk about the show, how we design the show from the very beginning. And it's definitely a bubbling up mental health conversation that actually like, you know, we're, we're just wrapping up writing the third season now. And I think those themes are going to be uh, a bit more explicit in terms of how we're processing them and, 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 and putting them on screen. But yeah, that's definitely something that, that I think about a lot. I'm, I started doing therapy myself when I moved to LA. I, I moved to LA when I was 20 and I had been always living at home. I never dormed in college or anything like that. I was just home. And, and then I moved and, and um, yeah, it was a big rush. And, 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 and there was so many things that kind of came up for me and it was the mental health thing. Like we were saying before, it started to kind of pop up for me in college where I was like, huh. And then uh, I had made a decision to, drop out of college. And then I moved to LA probably a couple months later and, and I started therapy. And so doing that was really helpful for me to kind of understand just the compartments that I was creating mm -hmm. for myself. And the show is very compartmentalized. You know, we have episodes where we're just with one character and it's for that reason, because it is again, that feeling of, whoa, like, okay, we saw everyone through Rami's point of view, or we saw everyone at dinner but man, a lot happened before they got to that meal and a lot happened afterwards. And they're not in a situation where they know how to share that yet. And, and that's really um, something that's really interesting for me. Yeah. And then for you personally, I mean, so much of the show is, is autobiographical in some way. Did you have to make a conscious decision like, I'm going to put my, my experiences and kind of my life out there like that? Were you nervous at all for that or, or did it just feel natural? I, I definitely, you know, it was great. You know, what's great about a TV show is you, you get to make it with a great team. And I mean, I think like my co-creators had really pushed me to kind of like, I would think of things and I'd be like, ah, oh, but I shouldn't put this in there, you know, because of my family or I shouldn't put this in there because of the Arab communities or the Muslim communities and, and you know, communities that I'm a part of and I feel very sensitive to because I really care about them, you know, and, and also kind of I was... Uh, sitting in the the scarcity of how often we get to tell a story. And so I think that I felt this natural urge to write and talk about certain things. And then I was supported to move in that direction by my creative partners in a way that definitely, yeah, made me feel nervous, you know, and made me feel like, you know, I was like, wow, you know, we're like, we're rocking a tightrope here. And these are things that you know, I'm going to talk to my parents about after they watch the show and we've never <laughs> talked about them in real life, you know, and, and it's not that everything in the show is like directly happened to me. I mean, we've taken sure. a ton of artistic directions in it, but it's philosophically all really sound to me. And it's all kind of like the ways in which my character hides, the ways in which a lot of the characters in the show hide are really real to people that are, you know, whether they're in my, like everyone's a blend of certain members of my family. No one's really spot on. But they feel like people I know. And I think what's been really cool is they feel like people that are in a lot of people's families, you know, which, which has been really fun to talk about. And did it help you at all, like talking about these things or putting them in the show to like get through some of like your past experiences or like, you know, unbundle those and really like relook at them and like work through them in therapy? Like, did it feel that way for you in making the show? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that, you know, what's interesting, what's been really interesting writing the third season, um, because I've gotten to do the first two, it's been the season where on one hand, like I am most creatively sure about what I want to do. But on the other hand, I'm the most disconnected from the character I'm writing because I've changed, Yeah, you know, and that character is now way further in a different space. I don't even want to say behind me, but in a different space than I am now. And writing from that vantage point uh, has just been different. And I think in a good way, but it did hit me where I was like, oh, wow, when I was writing season one, like a lot of it felt like it was more presently connected. And in season two, it started to drift a little. And then in the third season, it, it, in some ways, it's it's more connected because I understand it more. But yeah, it, it, it's been a really interesting transition. Yeah, that's awesome. When when you were kind of speaking how everyone's at the dinner table and they're all kind of there, but they're all not there, it like reminded me of another thing that I was feeling watching towards the end of season two, where like we we learn about the uncle being closeted. We know that your dad has been fired, but he's not telling anyone, right? Like your sister has all her like bullshit that she's not really talking out. And I'm like, wow, everyone is like totally not themselves around each other. And like, this is supposed to be your family, right? These are supposed to be the people that you love and care about, especially in, in your show and the community. Like it's all about family. That's all we preach is the importance of family, but it seems like the yeah. family is who everyone is the most disconnected with. I'm curious for you, like, why do you think it's the hardest for us to kind of be ourselves around the people who love us the most or who we're supposed to be closest to? Well, they see us, you know, they see all of it and they know it and they know a version of it. Right. I mean, and, and I think there's also, I think what makes it hard for a family like that's in the show is that I, I think they do really love each other. And so because they love each other so much, they don't want to hurt the other person. They don't want to worry the other person. There's a lot of that kind of anxiety. And so, it's, it's, you know, so much of the show I think is exploring not just guilt, but shame. And I think that guilt can be healthy and shame is really destructive and, and it kind of pushes you away, you know? And, and I think that's something that comes out pretty early when you start therapy, you know, like, like, and, and I don't remember who said this to me, but I've always thought about like, they're like, no, guilt is like a check engine light. Like, that's good. Like, think about like, okay. Do I need to interrogate myself? Do I need to check on something? But shame is is really, you're really just, you're not allowing yourself to get out from underneath it and you're letting it define you. And, and I think for me in my own life, you know, having spiritual connection has always been something that's been there. And the more that I've grown to understand what it means and what it can mean from me, it, it, it becomes very liberating, you know, when... And I think regardless of what anyone believes, you know, a really good friend of mine, my friend, uh, Azhar Usman, he, he said to me, you know, um, you didn't make you, you know, <laughs> it's not like, like when you do something bad, it's not that you shouldn't take responsibility. Yeah. You had a choice, but also it's like, you can't act like you designed everything about yourself and your life and your backstory and how you move. And it's like, you don't like your body. You didn't, you certainly didn't make that sure. Maybe there are things that you can do. You could work out, you could eat better, but there are a lot of baseline things where like, and I always think about that. And he's just like, you didn't make you, you got to be really forgiving. Like you can't like look at what's happening in your life and act like you designed the whole thing. And then you messed up that design, you know? 
and and I think that that framing of you didn't make you has always been a really spiritual calling for me because it's felt like oh yeah you know there's something else happening and and, and again it's like I think we're all we all have our different ways of connecting to the unseen but there's totally an unseen you know and mm-hmm. I think um when when you kind of sit in recognition of that it becomes actually an easier conversation because you kind of realize oh I don't there's actually no way in which I solve all of this. So then what, you know? Yeah. I like I'm watching it. I'm just like, fuck man. Like just these people just need to like tell each other. And it's for me, it's like the, the knowledge and identification of just being able to identify, to even explain, right? Like before mental health is even a part of our life or we go to therapy and we start to build this kind of toolbox and we learn these terms and the ability to express ourselves. It, feels impossible we don't even know how to do it and like you said there's so much like guilt and shame and then behaviors that kind of stack themselves on top of that and it's like we're doing everything to just like bury that as many floors below the ground as we can so it'll never ever come up and it just builds and builds until it's so paralyzing and then you end up just having that that quiet meal and and it's just never going to come out and the sad part is which kind of what i learned through my own experience is it often takes something terrible to happen or a really really dark moment or you to be on the brink of not wanting to be here anymore for you to finally get to that basement and be like i i I can't do this anymore i need to i need to confront these things i need to be honest and and a big part of of what we try and do and like what i'm so passionate about is like helping people get there without having to almost lose their life or have a terrible Mm. event happen or an overdose or things like that. Like, let's get to that Mm. moment before it's so dangerous to really have those conversations. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And that, that's like, I mean, that's what I've always from afar, like dug about the brand when I heard about kind of what you guys are doing behind the scenes and the mission, because it, it's really that approach and, 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 really framing it as mental health because i think something that i've noticed in in the communities that i'm involved in is that everything gets put into the bucket of spirituality and it's like yes i i i do believe that spiritual practice is is a really important thing and mental health is is really like a subcategory under that and you can find it maybe in those spaces totally. but you know it's really important to like feel like you're you know you can carve that out and it's obviously got a ton of stigma in 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 a lot of you know communities i think that's getting a lot better like For i think sure. people are really like like i do think like right obviously our generation but like really like it's it's becoming super commonplace i mean like i'm i'm getting to a point where i'm like like you have to be you know really working that part of your brain out otherwise it it spills into all this other you know behavior and and so i think you know those those are really uh important developments i think it's really exciting yeah and i think it's like also mental health is not only the dark stuff right so i think part of it becoming more a part of everyday conversation is like just like you know we talk about going to the gym it's like going to therapy should be like oh like you know i'm helping myself or like or like today i had a great day you know that's that that, that's mental health too right or like how you're feeling your mood and like yeah. That type of thing, because I think obviously like people are less inclined to talk about things only when it's like really bad. Like if you're only talking about like the dark, dark stuff, like of course people are going to be like adverse to talking about it. And it's definitely gotten better. But it's like, how do we keep pushing that? How do we keep making that better? And and I think one thing you brought up, Rami, is like, OK, 
you dropped out of college. That's a big thing, right? And and you moved to LA, and then you said you started therapy. So I'm wondering, like, did you have like the support of your family in doing that? Like, what you know, what was going on in your life that you moved to LA and you were like, I need to start therapy now? You know, I think it was it was a lot of change at once. And I and when I moved, I had actually gotten uh, an acting job, which was like not I didn't expect that I would, and and. And to the point that you were just making, it's it's also really overwhelming when something good happens, you know, like quote unquote good, because you're like it's supposed to be good, and then once it happens, and 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 really kind of the the pod of people that I was working with, you know, fellow actors and performers and writers and whatever, it's like you get a job that's huge, and then you kind of feel like, well, I shouldn't complain about anything, you know, or or okay, things are going well, so like there can't be this other thing. And, and I kind of didn't know where to put that because I felt this odd feeling of doing well from the outside. And so how dare I kind of talk about something not going well? I almost thought that that would feel arrogant or insensitive or, you know, yeah, just, just something that I, I felt like in, in some way I was being something I wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that paired with being in a new environment where I didn't know a lot of people, it, it really kind of, spurred the decision. And then I don't remember when I told my parents I was going, I think I might've been secretly going for, for a bit. And then I mentioned it. And then, you know, I, maybe after a couple of years or something, I, I might've mentioned it. And then there wasn't, you know, this, I don't know. It was almost kind of like many other things, just like a little bit like, okay, like kind of, you know, buried under yeah, you know yeah, it wasn't yeah. it was it was kind of taken in and then maybe you know comments would come later you know like a month or two later like what's going on with that you know <laughs> and then now it's gotten to a point where it's super open you know where where you know i i my mom i've gotten my mom to go you know and so that's mm-hmm. that's a huge you know like to me i've looked at things in my um in my career and i've been like well this is wild like look what i've done in 10 years and then on another level i'm like oh, wow, like 10 years ago, I was lying about or just concealing that I was going to therapy. And now my mom can go to therapy. Like, like that feels like, like, and I, and I pushed her to do it. I'm like, wow, that's just, that's maybe even more impressive to me. <laughs> like, because if you told me 10 years ago that like certain fit, I'd be like, whoa, that's wild. But if you're like, yeah, and your mom's going to go to therapy, that's the part that I'd be like, no way. Like, yeah. really? Like she's going to, yeah. you know, so that's, that's huge, you know? Yeah. When you were getting started, it, uh, it made me think of something that we talk a lot about on the show is like, comparing and comparing our experiences and not allowing ourselves to feel or to acknowledge our feelings because someone always has it worse or there there's someone who's always in a shittier situation or like well that didn't happen to me what i know happened to that guy and like that's so damaging and and problematic for our own self-growth to kind of negate those feelings and not really allow ourselves to feel and like appreciate like i just booked that gig that's fucking sick and i also feel like shit and like that's totally okay yeah. to like acknowledge both of those truths, right? It's never about comparing our experiences to someone else and, and feeling like we're not worthy to to acknowledge those negative emotions. I want to talk about faith for a little bit. Um, obviously, it's such a big part of your life. I grew up Jewish. I went to a Jewish day school my entire life from like K through 12, Kippa all day, every day, prayed every day, wow. grew up in a kosher household, like the whole nine. And my relationship with my own faith has like changed a lot. Obviously, I think in the last year, especially I'm like checking a lot of biases that I may have had or like 
kind mm. of realizing what that experience really did to me and like how it made me think about certain things and then even getting into addiction and like the recovery community such a big piece of that like you said how faith and mental health are so linked is like turning it over to our higher power and like i've i've now yeah. developed kind of like this own kind of version of faith for me with bits of judaism bits of other things bits of aa bits of all this to like form whatever this thing is that that i call my god of just like this this higher power kind of spiritual energy and i know for me that's been huge for for my mental health i know it's a kind of a personal thing and everyone has their own different relationship with it but i'm just curious like what your faith kind of looks like right now and how that plays in with with your mental health i mean i really relate to what you're saying like and and i think it, it's probably even more universal than you think like I, I think something that i've really been sitting in i guess sitting in the reality of kind of this 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 industry of religion you know and and it's so it's been so weaponized for political means and it's been so weaponized as kind of these like polarizing identities that i do think there's this thing that the genuine kind of bedrock of interpretation and spirituality you know even like in in judaism and islam and christianity people are just kind of like handpicking parts out of the bible and out of the old testament and out of the quran and they kind of string together these well your thing says this and my thing says this and this thing that and kind of the whole tradition of you know, teachers and the whole tradition of interpretation. Like these are books that are like, you're not supposed to just open them up and read them cold turkey. You know, there's like, there's a lot of context that, you know, you need to be taught these, these, these faith traditions. And then you need to be taught them, I think, from a perspective that is pure on a level. And again, that's where kind of like the way that religion has been weaponized, it's really hard to find that. And so I say that to say that your experience of kind of like you said, creating your own God, like I do think that's almost the position that people have been put in Yeah. where it's like, you know, I guess I kind of got to create my own thing because yeah. again, like, like the more you dig into it and the more that you even go to, you know, any sort of addiction recovery or you go to any sort of therapy, you, you're really going to need to, everyone's going to come to this crux of like, okay, there's something like, I, like we said before, there's an unseen there is, you know, and, and everyone gets to that. And then everyone is then kind of like left out in the cold of figuring out, well, what do I want to attach that to? Because the systems that we've kind of grown up uh, seeing have failed us, you know, like, like all, all of these religious institutions right now are in a very weak state, you know, like they, they are just politicized, weaponized, capitalized. It's, it's really weird. And so for me, my process has been stripping all that away, you know, what does that look like? What does it look like for me to kind of remove all those things and really just get back to the basics of compassion and presence and connecting with the unseen and love? Genuine, you know, like, and it sounds, you know, we're in LA, it sounds wild, you know, because we're just like, it's like, it's all love, man. Like, it sounds nuts. Yeah. And, it is all love, man. You know, like it's both, yeah. you know, like it is, it's, and there's two versions of it. There's the version that makes you kind of want to like, you know, be like, all right, dude, like give me a fucking break. But then like you really dig into it and you're like, yeah, it is. That's what it is. And, and it's, and so I've been kind of in this process of like, I, I just relate to a lot of what you're saying. It's like, like I, I grew up, you know, Muslim, I didn't grow up in the school systems in the way that you did. I didn't grow up with it actually. Like I grew up with it in a really interesting way where the more I look back at it, and I don't know that my parents 
consciously did this, but I think my parents were really allergic to groupthink because, you know, we grew up in Jersey and, and, and I grew up around a lot of Italian Christian kids. I grew up with, um, you know, my best friend was Jewish and, and our families were best friends. And I, I remember, though, you know, my parents just being like, hey, we're a different thing. We're a different faith. You know, we have our own faith, you know. Yeah. And then I remember going to the mosque and then my parents would be like, we're happy going to the mosque, you know, praying, but just, you know, we're, we're, we're also a little bit of a different thing. Like, don't listen to everything you hear at the mosque, you know, cause I think they kind of saw like some of those layers that, that, yeah. that, that I was just talking about. So it was really interesting. Cause it was like everywhere I went, my parents would be like, yeah, hang out, but you're different. And then, and I'm like, okay, let me go to the mosque. Oh, you're different at the mosque too. And, and at a level, like I, I thought I was, I thought it created some sort of schizophrenia. Cause I was like, well, what am I really, yeah. you know? But, but when I look at it from here, I realize that they really did not want us to get caught up in any sort of group think. And they kind of really wanted us to come to it as individuals on a level and really kind of like discern what, what was for us. And, and, um, and so that's the process I'm in. I mean, and I feel, you know, like I, I feel really connected to, you know, my faith and I'm also really kind of connected to understanding what it actually is, because I do think a lot of the versions that I've heard of it and a lot of the stuff that's out there is not real, you know? <laughs> and so that, that's been, you know, really big for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for your answer because it's making me realize that that's what I've been getting caught up in lately is like making it about all this other stuff. that's not about what it's about. And like when I, when I think about what Judaism is about for me, it, it, it is those things like love and it is that like moral compass that I feel like it's given me of like, you know, Shabbat dinners with my family every Friday, like the importance of family, the importance of things like that, some of the traditions and like has nothing to do with how it's really being perceived and discussed right now. So thank you for that, dude. No, those rituals, man. I mean, it's like it, it, it feels silly to lose them, you know, like like Shabbat, Ramadan, you know, like there are these these rituals that have been happening for so long. And I think, you know, we have this tendency to think that history just must suck because we have, you know, air conditioning and Wi-Fi now, you know, but it's like, no, there's something there. Like, like there's something like, like in the way that, you know, you're probably thoughtful because of the grandfather you never met. There are traditions through these rituals that I, I just feel dumb being like, nah, like I know better. you know, it, it feels yeah. so kind of wild. And then I see like the environment that I'm in, 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 in LA and it's, and it's interesting because it's like, we don't really appreciate things that came before us or even i mean even just the way people who are older are treated in la is really wild it's just like you're old and it's like oh you just must like like there's no you're it's whack, like no no, no. like yeah. let's, it's it's just like it's just done you know it's like oh you're older let's go to this like you know this tiktoker like this young legend who figured out seven second videos you know like it's just like these like strange like we put emphasis on all these really weird things and 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 so you know similar to kind of where you started. I'm very much in that space of, let me just step back and like, yeah. I kind of want to take a look at the whole picture here because yeah. there's like something's getting lost. Totally. Yeah. And Rami, just a couple more before we wrap up, I guess in that same vein, like how is your relationship with fame, you know, developed over the past couple of years, 10 years, however long you've been in LA, like has that changed over time? Like how do you deal with that now as just part of your daily life and doing all the things that, you know, you, you do. Well, I think, I think I'm very thankful that as I have gotten 
anywhere close to that word of fame, the concept of fame has also been shifting, you know? So it's like, like that I'm really grateful for because I mean, I think like it used to be whatever, there's like six channels. If you're on one of those shows, you're getting mobbed kind of vibe. Now it's like however many channels. And so, so it's, 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 it's a totally different thing. And it's a, it's a, it's kind of like an amorphous word. I do think like the way that I view it is uh, the more I've been kind of writing, the more I've been doing standup, the conversation's gotten bigger. So like, I'm just literally talking to more people and I'm literally in connection with more people than I was. And that has been something that, uh, yeah, I'm learning and adjusting to and realizing, you know, I used to tell jokes in front of 20 people at a bar in Brooklyn. And then some of those jokes that I wrote, I put into a show that millions of people around the world have seen. And now even more literally, it's like, I've just been going out doing stand up. you know, now as we're kind of shifting into being able to be in person for a little bit. Yeah. I'm just in front of more people. It's like, I'm like, Hey, I want to do a show. And it's just more people show up because more people, you know, are familiar with the conversation. And, and so those, those have been interesting shifts that I'm just kind of getting used to like on a real technical level, like, you know, there's those like yonder pouches that, that, you know, they give out at shows where it's like, you can't have your phone. And I've gotten just like addicted to those. I'm like, well, if I'm doing a show. I want to do that. Cause it's like, you know, you don't know. It's like, I don't want anyone to record a thing that I'm saying when yeah. I'm still workshopping it. Like I used to workshop, like, I remember, you know, I did a, so many jokes on my special that like the first version of them genuinely probably were offensive, but they were the first version of it. And I had to say it out loud. And then I kind of shaped it into what I wanted to shape it in. And then now I'm at a place where I'm like, well, people are coming expecting something in a way that they weren't before. And that that's different. And I think there's just, it's dealing with expectation, like actually literally in, in, in the sense I just said, but then also just expectation around, you know, my show is my name which I don't have a time machine. I don't know what I would do with it if I went back and had to decide something different. It's just the decision I made. And so there is this idea that that's just me and that's just my story. And those are things that get really, for better or worse, get conflated. And and so there's been um, an, an element of dealing with that, you know, and, 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 and we talked about this a little earlier. There's a scarcity to uh, my show where, the communities depicted in it don't have a ton of content. And so when people love it, they really love it. And when people hate it, they really hate it. And then when they conflate me with that, they really hate me. And so those are all kind of elements of this that are fine. Like there are times where, you know, I've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable with it. There were times in the beginning where I was like, wow, this is, this is a wild thing to read or see or be told or have it said to. And then you kind of, you know, the, the good outweighs. And, and then you also realize, you know, people might just get super upset at you for like a Tuesday night and then they kind of move on to something else. And so it kind of becomes like the cost of doing business. But yeah, all that stuff is, is, is really intertwined and it, and it ties into the social fabric of my life, of my friends and of my family and all of that. But, but the headline again is, the nature of that word fame is so different now. And especially with the position that I'm at, I love the position I'm at. Like I, I've described it really, uh, the best way I can describe it is 
uh, I've gotten, cause I've made a show that people really like, I'll get courtside seats and I get to go to basketball games, which is my favorite thing. But when I'm courtside, like they don't put the camera on me and say like, look, who's at the game because like, they don't know me that well. And I'm like, this is great. Like, this is like the perfect, perfect level of perfect like, level like I get to sit courtside, but they're not, the camera guy's not coming. Like yeah. he doesn't know what, what's going on, you know? Um, so that's, I'm very happy about yeah, that. That's amazing. And, and yeah, that was going to be my like next question for you is like, how do you think about what's next for like Rami the human and then like Rami the show? And and how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think like the show has been uh, such a playground and, and this really like exploratory place to kind of do all these things. I get to write, I get to direct, I get to cast people, you know, all these things that I had done before, you know, on a real indie level. But yeah, it's it's been a really great exploration so far and um yeah it's hard to put like a timeline on it i mean i think from where i stand now when we first made the pilot you feel lucky to just get one season and then you feel lucky to just get two now i'm in a position where i'm kind of thinking you know it feels like i want to do four and then just kind of put it down a little bit and Mm -hmm. and because it's my name i like the idea of being able to pick it back up when other things have happened in life and, and kind of, you know, what does this guy look like older and with a family and that kind of thing. It feels evergreen. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I mean, he, you know, he obviously starts famous in this, like, I I think in in, in what I love about kind of what Larry did there was he, yeah, he, I mean, he's such a legend. Like that guy is just, I'm obsessed with him, but that idea, yeah. Putting it down, picking it back up feels really organic. And I do think with a story like this, could be really unique. Like, I don't think, I don't think it, it, it'll have been done in the way that we could potentially do it with these characters, you know, totally. and this kind of look. And so that, that's something that's been exciting for me, you know, with, with the show. And then as a person, you know, it's, it's just been, yeah, I've been having so much fun doing stand up lately and really getting to, to, to grow that and kind of, I would love to just, you know, on a real practical level, knowing that the conversation is larger and our show is, global in a really cool way like we we have a lot of viewership just in other countries it'd be just fun to go out and talk to people and do comedy all over the world and then also yeah get to work on different things that i'm not even in or the lead of but just i I really like which i think has been kind of in the dna of the show part of what i've really loved about having episodes that i'm not even in is is that i get i get to work with people who aren't me and i and i get sometimes even more excited about that because yeah you know i don't have to pick a shirt to wear you know it's just yeah. about them like it's it's, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty fun and 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 so getting to uh be part of that process creatively has been you know is something i'm really looking forward to doing rami like for you like what you know looking back giving advice to your 20 year old self giving advice to like the audience that's listening like what would you you know advise yourself to do not change your life but like what things you know, should you be thinking about for someone struggling or for someone trying to find their way in whatever it is they're doing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. It's always a hard one, right? Cause it's like, it's hard to be here, like wherever here is for you or for me, it's hard to be here without having been like somewhere first. So I, I would always kind of, I think I would just kind of try and encourage myself to drink more water, you know, <laughs> like I think <laughs> be hydrated more and like, be actually serious about keeping a journal a little bit more you know there's always those like 
journal days where you go out and you're like, I'm buying a new journal and you go get a moleskin and you get this new journal and pen and you write in it for like two days and then you never go back to it. Yes. Like I think, like I think that, that you know, and, then, and then you, and then you have a stack of those journals, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's really, I, I, I would just kind of be like, just drink more water, breathe, pray, write, and, and just, just know that those things, no matter what could always be there for you. Like that, like really zoning in on, on, on that, you know, I think would, would have made a difference, you know, even if like plot points of life didn't change, like the everyday ability to be present would be different, you know? And I think that's kind of the thing that's most exciting to me. Okay. Uh, we got two questions left that we end every episode with that I'll ask you. Uh, the first is if you could nominate someone to come on the show who has a very powerful mental health journey that's inspired you or just another person you look up to that you would love to learn more about their experience with mental health, who would it be? You know, it's going to feel like, cause he's my buddy, but it, he actually, I think would be, would be an amazing, I think he'd love talking to you guys, but my buddy Steve from my show, Steve Way, who, mm. you know, he has muscular dystrophy and he's just like such an amazing person, obviously, just like on a, on a, a level of like, you know, someone who's very clearly from the outside gone through a lot. But I think like the more you talk to him, you realize there's so much that he's gone through that you wouldn't even guess like in, 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 in a way. And, and I couldn't believe that he, I'd always assumed he'd gone to a therapist at some point. And I think he just started going like a year or two wow. ago. And I've seen the shifts in, in, in like, cause he's always been this person who's just like, obviously amazing and carries things well and this and that. And then like him on therapy is just like steroids. Like yeah. it's just like, wow. Like he's, he's just so, so he's amazing. I mean that, you know, Steve way is, is, is really just such a dope dude. That'd be dope. Yeah. I mean, definitely one of the funniest characters in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, um, just, just doing something in a way that, you know, no one, no one's really, he, he, there's no one like him on TV and, and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, Rami, what makes you mad happy? Oh man. You know, I, th I think, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's really, for everything we've talked about, it really is, it is my family. Like, and, and I think that's really hit me because it, and it's actually perfect. Like, cause they do make me mad <laughs> and, then they, and they do make me happy. And it is answer. the schizophrenia of the word mad, happy in one word. Like that is my family. And, and, and I've spent so much of quarantine with them. They, they've been in LA with me it's July right now. They've been in LA since October. And so wow. like we, and we're just kind of like ending this chapter now, like we're, you know, mm -hmm. they're flying back to the East coast next week, but that, you know, really haven't thought about that till right now, but that's probably a great word for, for them and me. <laughs> that's amazing. Definitely full circle. Well, well, thank you so much, Rami, for coming on the show. We're obviously huge fans. You made a big impact on, on our lives and I'm sure many, many others. So definitely keep up the great work and thank you again for joining us. Oh, thank you guys. And, and just, yeah, like such a great space you guys are creating and, and, and the brand is so dope. And I just wait for the links to like, just try and be there on time. So it doesn't yeah. sell out, you know, but you know, I know that's what it is. We'll make, we'll make sure you have it, but, <laughs> but thank you. And, thank uh, you, dude. Yeah, this yeah. was awesome. Thanks guys. Signing off everyone. Thank you.
Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation half as much as we enjoyed having it. Truly, truly one of my favorites that we've done so far, like I said. Hope you guys were able to take a little something away. I know we did. And of course, thank you so much to Rami for joining us today. We had a really great conversation and getting to learn more about him and open up about ourselves was an amazing time. We also want to remind everyone that mental health is an ongoing process and is something that takes daily work. For more information on how to get support, you can visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcast. And of course, if you want to support the show, follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. Tune in next week for our conversation with where we talk about, you guessed it, mental health. See you next time. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.